<clears throat> Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. It's me, Daniel K, the host of the Daniel K's audio-only video game Let's Play podcasts. The uh, the world's first and favorite audio-only video game Let's Play podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm here with another episode for you, and it's going to be an episode in a brand new series which I've just started. The series is called A Quest for a Playable Science Fiction Text Adventure, or something like that. The last episode of the series was me trying out Starcross, an Infocom game from 1982. Uh, and I had trouble. Oh yes, I had trouble. Uh, you might have heard it. If not, you don't really need to go back and listen <laughs> to a man just be frustrated by a game for an hour. Uh, you can if you want to hear snippets of a Devo song, which I love. Um... But yeah, that's probably the the highlight. Is Devo making a, a couple seconds worth of an appearance? Um, yeah, Infocom. I think their games are going to be games which it would be fun to sit down and play if you weren't recording a podcast. You could really put your entire like you know brains worth of intelligence into trying to figure out what to do in the situation that it gives you. But uh, that's not really what I do. I, I record while I play a game, and sort of portions of my brain have to be busy talking, thinking of new words to say out of my mouth into the microphone, so that you know, because like you could conceivably you could do a <laughs> an audio only text adventure playthrough on a podcast, and it could just be the sounds of typing, and then just me hmm, reading the screen, thinking really hard. Oh, having a creative idea, implementing the idea. You just get silence and tapping. And then every now and again, you oh, fucking hell, or, hey, fantasy. you know, that kind of thing. But because I'm, uh, because I'm reporting on what's going on, I think that my, my IQ, I seriously think my IQ goes down when I speak and when I constantly speak over a game. So Infocom, I think, maybe is a, a game with a kind of difficulty level, which is a little bit hard, or at least a, an obscure kind of difficulty. It's like I try, and, I try and figure out what the game wants me to do, not what my character should be doing. It, it's weird. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to try something a little bit different in this next episode of the quest for a decent science fiction text adventure. Um, I went online uh, to an interactive fiction uh, community website. Interactive fiction includes text adventures. It also includes interactive novels uh, and things called twine games. I don't know what a twine game is. I'm sure I'll be finding out relatively soon. This is not a twine game. Uh, I think this is a straight-ahead text adventure with like a, a language parser uh, where I type in, you know, go north, go south, push button, pick up gun, shoot hole in spacecraft, be sucked out of hole, die. That kind of thing. Um, I think. I don't really know anything about this uh, this next game, which I'm about to play. It, it was made in 2005. So it's more modern than uh, Starcross is. But it's still over 10 years old. It's like 12 years old. What year are we in now? 2017. Late 2017. So it's 2005. That's 12 years old and a bit. 12 and a half, bit, bit bunch of years old for this text adventure video game, which I'm going to be playing. It's called Distress, and I've had to download a special platform to play it on. I, I downloaded a Hugo Interpreter, is the name of this uh, this game-playing uh, program. I think it's an old bit of, of software. It, it said uh, compatibility, the, the list of uh, Windows compatibility options ended at XP, so I downloaded the XP version. I haven't tested it. Uh, and then I downloaded uh, distress.hex, which is the game file. It's 183 kilobytes, this text adventure. I'm going to launch it. I'm just going to hit the old enter key and see. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be sound in this text adventure. I don't know why there would. Uh, you never know. I, I don't know if the Hugo interpreter is going to interpret the game file properly. We're just going to see what happens when I hit the enter key right now. We're just going to launch into this science fiction text adventure game. Um, I'll put it out on the table for you listeners exactly what it is I know about this game. I know it's relatively short for a text adventure, but that doesn't mean anything to me because, like, the only other text adventures I've played are, like, you know, Zork, Starcross, these sort of big 
what what were triple A games back in the day. So I think they're pretty long epic adventures that you go on. I've also played uh, one or two other little text adventures uh, of a kind of indie nature. Uh, you remember the Five Days of Stranger, Seven Days of Killer, the Trilby series? I think one of those games implemented a text adventure kind of platform. They're, I think they're good games. It's been 10 years since I played them. Uh, but So I don't know. I, I'm not committing to a Daniel K. Recommends check out those games because maybe they've aged really poorly. Uh, yeah. So all I know about this game is that compared to other text adventures, it's relatively short. Uh, and also it's science fiction. Uh, it involves a planet in some way. And there is a character called Colonel. Oops, I mean Lieutenant. So I guess it's like military science fiction, which is fine. Um, not really. Like, you know, uh, militaria doesn't turn me on in the way I think it turns a lot of guys on. But in science fiction, I I can stomach it. Uh, Hugo, ex- ex- executable file. I'm just going to hit enter. We're going to play the game. Distress! Okay, yeah, cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, my, my, my screen has turned blue. A deep, dark, electric blue. Uh, an indigo, almost, I'd say. Almost like a um, very bright kind of police uniform kind of blue. And then there's white text and a white logo up the top. Distress, version 1.7. An entry in IF Comp 2005, written by Mike Snyder. Hugo... Oh, Snyder. I wonder if he's... Uh, anyway. Hugo, uh, version 3.1 slash library 31021. I don't know what that means, but uh, I think this is taking cues from the old Infocom games because right up on the top left, uh, in tiny font, this is all really small font compared to Infocom, which had great big dumb block text. This is tiny little... Uh, tiny font the the font up the top left has my location it says crash site I also get some options above the location file, story, options and help Um, so it's like it's opened this up as a window let's see what's a file open new story, no story restart current story, restore story save story, control s so I can save options fonts, colors, full screen, fast scrolling text selection Unfreeze windows, graphic smoothing, play sound and music. That's that's ticked. So if there's sound in this game, it'll play during this Let's Play. Let's make sure we've got the volume turned right up. There we are. So up the top left, it, uh, it has uh, some serif font, almost like a courier. Uh, small white text says crash site. That's my location. And then there's big block paragraphs, which is the actual story. Sans serif font could be Helvetica or Arial or whatever. And it reads thusly. Are you ready? We're going to get into this game. Oh, hang on. I'm just going to lean over and have a sip of my drink. Uh, yeah. I don't know what this is going to be like. Uh, listeners, in my fridge I, I had uh, some tonic water. I love tonic water. On top of my fridge I had some vermouth. I thought, oh, I wonder if vermouth and tonic water is a, a cocktail. So I went on Google and I looked it up. And yeah, it is. People have made that before in the past, which is a good enough reason for me to try making it. So let's see what this tastes like. Uh, vermouth and tonic. Oh, sour. Actually, that's nice. That's actually nice. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Our first twist, listeners. Vermouth and tonic is not bad. Yeah. It kind of... Yeah, the the tonic water taste is a weird natural addendum to the kind of unpleasant taste of vermouth. I don't love vermouth, but it, it tastes pretty good in tonic water. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. What a good start to distress. The distress text adventure. Let's, uh, let's launch right into it, shall we? I should mention, I'm here in my living room. Uh, it's pretty hot. It's the goddamn summer. Uh, my aircon is just above me and I have the remote control in my hand. I've switched it off for this recording session because I don't want, ooh, pesky, pesky white noise in the background irritating your, uh, your delicate ears, listeners. Your delicate, uh, ears. Uh, what's, what's like a, yeah. What's like a descripting word for things which have good taste? Uh, yeah, let's just leave that alone. Uh, so I've I've left the aircon off, but if it gets too hot in here, it's going to be turning it on 
and I'm just gonna, I'm sorry, need to let you deal with the white noise if it happens. Let's now get on with the story, shall we? <laughs> Lieutenant Hutchess. Hutchess. Like Duchess, but Hutchess. Lieutenant Hutchess came to an hour or so ago. That was around the time Runoma, blazing orange hot so near this, its second planet, fell below the distant jagged crag line. So I'm on the second planet orbiting Runoma, uh, blazing orange hot sun. Uh, and the the what the distant jagged crag line, so a rocky planet, I'm guessing, or maybe icy. Ensign Coven died not long after. Sandra Mary Coven, both legs crushed under the weight of the pod's torn hatch. Oh, what a bummer! I'm sorry, Ensign Sa- Sa- Sandra Mary Coven, uh, whose legs were crushed under the weight of the pod's torn hatch. Night came quickly, bringing with it cool and howling winds that whistle through the desert rocks and carry other more dangerous sounds. Hutchess has since slipped back into delirium, and then a sleeping stupor. So I guess I'm not Hutchess. Uh, John Paul Hutchess. I'm not, I guess I'm not him. A spike from the pod's heating core through his left shoulder. Oh, poor guy. Why are you putting spikes on your heating core? You should make them all round. That way this kind of thing wouldn't happen to the Hutchesses of the world. Uh, deep gashes along his right side. You were fortunate enough to be thrown clear of the pod. Oh, thank God. Suffering some scrapes to your back and legs. Ah, oh, but no injury more obvious. Your brown and blue uniform, initially in tatters, was ripped for bandages prior to nightfall, leaving you unprepared for the cold of night and the remains of a thin undersuit. I'm in my space underwear. I imagine, like, uh, uh, you know, what those old prospectors wore. Like a woolly red uh, onesie with a, a, a hatch on the back for going to the bathroom. Yeah, that's all it's for. Um, that's what I picture. That's what, that's what spacemen and spacewomen wear under their spacesuits, isn't it? Yep, headcanon listeners. The air on Runoma 2 is thick and oppressive, made worse in gravity that is 20% over home standards. Ooh, so I bet my limbs are feeling tired. I wonder, my... My clothing, my uniform, my blue and brown uniform, which is a nice nice touch. That's quite a nice image in my head. Um, torn up for bandages. I wonder if the bandages were for me or for Hutchess and me, or if there are more survivors. Uh, probably not more survivors, otherwise they would have been mentioned. I think it's maybe just me and Hutchess are alive. Uh, maybe, San- maybe Sandra needed some uh, bandages before she died. Crash site. Pod 4 is a twisted slag of black and grey at the end of a long, shallow trench, marking its forced landing. Emergency netting is strewn about the area, having served its purpose in the rough and sudden impact. Darkness threatens to invade the crash site, kept back only by the dim light of the only surviving beacon post. So I guess that's something I've stuck up so that uh, people flying overhead in their spacecrafts can see me and go, oh, there's, uh, Dan- Daniel's down there, let's go get him. To the distant north, you can see the faint glow of the larger wreckage, where the serious dream must still be blazing. Desert land stretches away in all directions, interrupted by curving rocks and leaning spires. Coven lies dead nearby, her legs crushed under the weight of the pod's door. The lieutenant isn't far from her, lying still with a large angular rod impaling his shoulder. His breathing seems slow and forced, but stable. Both are bandaged in the remains of your uniform. Thank you, game. That was nice. From far to the east comes a faint guttural droning. From the east. So where's the burning wreckage of the the serious dream still blazing to the distant north. I can just see the faint glow of the larger wreckage. So distant north, I doubt I could make it to the distant north in time to escape whatever is making this guttural droning. Man, what an atmospheric start to the game. I wonder what I'll do as my first move. Should I go talk to Hutchess? I don't want to be distressed talking to a dying person. That sounds like not fun. Maybe I could just walk off, leave him to it. Um... Is it going to be a dumb waste of time to write Look Around? Yeah, because that's all the information I've just been given, isn't it? Okay. Um, how about this? Uh, 
The darkness that threatens to invade the crash site is kept back only by the dim light of the only surviving beacon post. Let's check out this beacon post. I wonder what it does. Look. Yep. At. Beacon. Post. This is the beacon you salvaged from the wreckage shortly after the crash. It stands on three little legs and casts a dim light. In your rush to aid Hutchess and Coven, it seems you forgot to turn on the beacon's built-in distress signal. Turn on distress signal. Turn on... I just fucking won the game, didn't I? I'm Richard, the genius man. Turning on the distress signal, getting rescued by a spacecraft. Oh, the guttural droning is not going to kill me in the night. Turn on... That was a little song I just wrote for you, listeners. Distress signal. All about my success. Uh, You press the button on the beacon post to enable the distress signal. At the... At the optional prompt, you record the situation in brief. Emergency! We need medical help and a rescue craft to Ramona 2. One casualty, another unconscious with serious injuries. We three escaped. We three escaped in a pod after a slam. By a gravatic anomaly. Captain another crew already dead. The message will continue to broadcast on repeat, although you aren't aware of any other ships in or near the Runoma system. If you're wrong, at least they can monitor the area through remote access once they arrive in system. The distress signal also activated a camera transmitter in the beacon post. Alright. So, I guess now my job is to be worried about the guttural droning approaching from the east. From far to the east. A guttural droning. Listeners, did you ever watch the Riddick films? I think I've seen... How many Riddick films are there? There's two, aren't there? There's Pitch Dark or Pitch Black, and then there's The Chronicles of Riddick. Is that right? I think I've seen both those films. Um, Yeah, without even knowing what they were. Or I think I knew what Chronicles of Riddick were. I went and saw it. Uh, No, I I got it when it was a new release, when I'd watch DVDs with my cousins. Uh, We watched a lot of DVDs together, but Perfect... Perfect Pitch Black, whatever, the sort of the first Riddick film I watched just on TV, having no idea what it was. And then when I saw Chronicles of Riddick and I watched that, I was like, oh, this is the uh, Perfect Dark, uh, Perfect Black, Pitch Black, uh, Pitch Dark movie uh, guy from that. Uh, Yeah, anyway, that's got kind of rocky planets on it. And then it's also got uh, weird aliens or things which kill you on the planet when a certain time happens. I think in the first one, it's when the nighttime comes, aliens come kill you. And then in the second one, when the daytime comes, the sun comes out and it's really, really hot and it kills everyone. And the ground just like catches fire in the day. And then it like goes out for some reason at night. I don't know what, it's on a prison planet. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's probably a movie I watched about 10 years ago. So that would put it contemporaneous with uh, this this game. I wonder if this is like a little bit Riddick-inspired. Riddick Chronicles of Riddick slash Perfect Dark, Perfect Black, Pitch Dark, Pitch Black-inspired. Um, I'm going to feel pretty dumb if the name of that Riddick movie isn't, isn't something like Pitch Black, Perfect Dark, or whatever. Uh, anyway, back back to the incredible story of my success. Uh, I pressed the button on the beacon post. Um, probably I'm not going to get rescued, but at least I did a, a, my job a little bit. Um, can I... So pod four is what I crashed in, and it's now a twisted slag of black and grey at the end of a long, shallow trench marking its forced landing. An emergency netting is strewn about the area. Look at net. Ting. I can't see my I can't see my moves being counted, so I hope that I'm not like under the clock, you know, as it were. Like if I after ten moves then oh the guttural droning turns out to be a swarm of space locusts and they, they peel your skin from your bones and now you're dead. Try again. You wanna try again? Uh no. Look at netting. Let's waste some time doing this. Emergency netting is strewn in fragments around the crash site. The material is thick and spongy but lightweight. The wind has already begun to spread it out and away to the surrounding desert. A smaller piece, half the size of a bedsheet, is swept to your feet by a strong cold wind. Get netting. Netting. The lieutenant groans in his sleep. The net is taken. 
Get netting taken. The lieutenant groans in his sleep. Well, okay. Uh, put netting on lieutenant. What a what uh, what a word. What a word, which constitutes quite a challenge to little old me, who's not the world's greatest speller. The piece of netting is presently too large to work with. Okay. Let's check out the lieutenant, see how he's doing. Maybe it's like, ooh, we're starting to shiver and it's cold. You need to figure out a way of getting the netting onto the lieutenant. Look at L-I-E-U-T-E. N-A-N-T. Prediction, listeners. Uh, this is going to be 50% of the episode is me spelling lieutenant. Maybe I can just say look at Hutchess next time. Look at lieutenant. The lieutenant is unconscious. His expression is pained and his breathing is f- a forced wheeze. A spike impales his shoulder. You moved him into a position on his other side, the side with deep gashes bandaged in ribbons that were your uniform to keep the injured shoulder elevated and the spike above ground. The spike will have to come out, but nothing remains of your uniform to bandage the wound. Ah, oh, well, lucky I have this piece of netting. I can bandage the wound with... Once I pull down the spike, should we try and... He's asleep now, isn't it? What a dick move I'm about to, to commit. I should try and wake him up. I give him, like, a heads up I'm about to yank out the spike. Unless it's, like, unconscious from his wounds. Uh, pull out spike. Fuck it. You haven't encountered any outspike. If you're sure you need to refer to that, try pulling in another way. Okay. Pull spike. Pull spike. His condition is getting worse. His eyes open wide and clench tightly closed and he wheezes restlessly. Is it out? Oh, no, I've got it. Taken. Yeah, pull spike. Spike taken. Uh, um, put netting on wound. The piece of netting is presently too large to work with. Hutchess is shifting side to side now, moaning loudly. Uh, Cut, uh, tear netting. Tear netting. I'm sorry, Hutchess. It's a strong material. You'll have to use something to tear it, or perhaps rip it on something of a suitable nature. Hutchess chokes, coughing blood and thrashing restlessly. For a long moment, his eyes are open, showing white, and then the glint... (laughs) Showing whites that glint in the dim light. Um, cut netting on rocks. The rocks and spires aren't sharp enough to cut the piece of netting. Help me, Hutcher sputters. His body convulses and the pain cries, stays choked in his throat. Cut netting on slag or wreckage. How do you spell wreckage? Fuck me. Ah, I'm going to Google wreckage so I don't. Waste a turn misspelling wreckage. I'm sorry, Hutchess. I fucked up, man. I fucked up. I should have cut it beforehand. Uh, wreckage. Is that right? Yeah, W-R-E-C-K-A-G-E. Wreckage. Wreckage. Cut netting on wreck. Oh, wait, is it C-K? Shit, I've forgotten already. Yeah, it is CK. Wreck age. Cut netting on wreckage. Uh, you puncture the piece of netting on a sharp and pointed edge of the wreckage, pulling and dragging it across to create several ribbons of spongy fabric. Hooray! Lieutenant Hutcher stops jerking. His body clenches, his back arches, and then he slumps to the ground. Hutcher has died of his injuries. You're on your own now. Fuck! God damn it! Listeners, god damn it. I don't want to be dealing with this. What do I want to do now? Do I want to restart and save Hutchess? Uh, uh, that... Mm, I'm so tempted to just... Fu- no, fuck it. I'm, I'm restarting. I'm, I'm saving Hutchess. Don't worry, Hutchess. I'm using uh, the weird temporal anomalies which exist on this planet... Story. Restart current story. Are you sure you want... Yeah, I want to abandon this story. Good. Okay. Crash site. Pod 4 is a twisted slag. Far to the east comes a faint guttural droning. Look at netting. I'm sorry. This is so cheap, listeners. That was my one reset. I don't get to do it ever again from now on. 
a small piece half the size of a bedsheet is swept to your feet by a strong cold wind. Get netting. Taken. Uh, cut netting on wreck age. Wreckage. I think that's a word that I have now for the rest of my life. I'll be able to spell it because I've needed to learn it for this instance. Um, listeners, did you ever get this? I, I'm a bad speller. And in school, I was a bad speller. I'm still a bad speller now. But in school, there are certain words uh, which I learnt... Um, what's your columns? You know... Mnemonics. Uh, things which help you remember. Mnemonics. Metonyms? No. Uh, you know... Mnemonics. Like, because. I used to never be able to spell because... And then one day my teacher, Deborah, or maybe it was Cheryl, at that weird Montessori school I went to, they sat me down and said, Daniel, here's how you spell because. You always just think in your head. Sit down at your, your bit of paper. You get your pen out. You want to write because? Here's what you do. In your head, think of this. Big elephants can't always use small exits. And I was like, oh. And then I learned how to spell because. But uh, that happened when I was like, I don't know, seven. Uh, And now I'm 27. And so I'm not kidding, listeners. For 20 years, every single time I've gone to spell because, in my head I've thought big elephants can't always use small exits. It just happens it's hardwired now and there's no undoing it. Every single time that pops into my head and I spell it out. Big elephant can't always use small exits as I type the word. Uh, like, it's it's so um, gratuitous, my brain's use of that shortcut, that it's embarrassing. But it, it's like, never eat soggy wheat bix. Anytime I need to remember the order that the cardinal directions go in, which one goes where, I always remember, count clockwise, north, east, south, west. N-E-S-W. Never eat soggy wheat bix. Um... Yeah, there's a name for them. It's not metonyms, because metonyms, I think, is uh, a symbol that your brain creates to summarise a thing that you know in real life. I think that's a metonym. So, like, my father exists in my brain as a metonym, like a character, a simplified character who is nowhere near as complicated as he is in real life. But in my head, I have this sort of caricature or this symbol of my father. That's what a metonym is. Um, that's just one example. There are several examples, but I won't get into metonyms just yet. Um, yeah, I don't remember the name for a thing which helps you remember things. Mnemonics. Mnemonics. Uh, anyway, let's get back to it. Wow, why did I go on that tangent? I can't remember the the beginning of the tangent. Was I going to say something? Yeah, no, that's all, that's all I was saying. I was saying I've now remembered how to spell wreckage, and I think I should remember that from now on. W-R-E-C-K-A-G. Wreck-age. 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 Like, whenever I type soldier, I need to think, soldier, soldier, beautiful, that kind of thing. That's what goes on in my head. It's like these dumb patches that my brain has made on real life to, so that I can navigate through it, like putting planks down across buildings to cross from one to the other. Oh, man, uh, another quick booze break, and then let's get back to it. Ah, yum. All right. God, that's so tasty. Oh, that's tasty. Um, yeah, cut netting on wreckage. That's what we're about to do, and then we'll save uh, Hutchins. You puncture the pieces of netting on a sharp and pointed edge of the wreckage, pulling and dragging it across to create several ribbons of spongy fabric. Let's have a look at the wreckage while we're at it. Look at wreckage. Nice correct spelling, Daniel. Look at wreckage. It might have survived if not for the heavy gravity. Oh, shit. Yeah, I've forgotten about the heavy gravity. I need to be imagining my arms and legs and body feeling tired and heavy throughout while, while I'm playing this game. Maybe if some more vermouth will help me feel that way. Pods aren't best at surviving a landing ejection. A better choice would have been the cruiser, a small atmospheric craft that was unfortunately ripped away when most of the serious dream was crushed by the gravatic anomaly. The gravatic anomaly. Oh, here's a serious recommendation. Roadside picnic. That's got anomalies of a gravatic nature in it. 
sci-fi novel from the 70s by a pair of Russian science fiction authors, or maybe they're like Polish. No, I think they're Russian. 70s or 60s? Roadside Picnic. Anyway, whatever. Uh, Yeah, it's a book which stayed with me, like in my head, and I kept on thinking about it, because it's kind of got a, a bit of a, you know, a bit of an ending to it. And you kind of go, what? Why? Why? Why did that happen that way? And then you think about it. Oh, my gosh. What does that mean? What does this entire book mean now that I've seen this character's arc go in this direction? It's that kind of book. So Daniel K recommends if you enjoy uh, weird old science fiction, check out Roadside Picnic. If you enjoy weird old science fiction, you already know about Roadside Picnic Um, and Solaris. So I can't I can't recommend that either. Uh, the the audiobook version of Solaris, which everybody agrees is the uh, well, not everybody. I've actually met someone else who who prefers the book to the audiobook. But uh, I, I, this is not the Solaris podcast. The to, to, it's suffice it to say uh, the Solaris audiobook uses a different Polish translation than the original text. But the, there's like a, an old doddering uh, publishing company who owns the rights to publish to publish an English translation of Solaris, and they just keep it, and they're not letting anybody else have it, or something like that. Some bullshit like that. But you can get a better translation of the audiobook. Those that the publishing company doesn't have those rights. So Daniel K recommends as well as Roadside Picnic. Check out the audiobook of Solaris. Daniel K has a podcast and he recommends things sometimes. Oh. You can buy it from Audible or anywhere else. You could probably Google it and you'll find it. Uh, that's a good book. Solaris is good. I you know not not a hot take, not a unique opinion. Solaris is great. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, a better choice for surviving the landing would have been the cruiser, a small atmospheric craft that was unfortunately ripped away when most of the Sirius stream was crushed by the gravatic anomaly. Oh, that's a shame. The cruiser was ripped away when the Sirius dream was crushed by the gravatic anomaly. Only the three of you from a crew of nine managed to escape. By then, the wreckage was already caught in the planet's pool. The pod lies in a twisted, jagged heap nearby. Starlight glints on the sharp edges of a shredded portion, po- po- portion of the pod. There's our little hint listeners, but I already picked up on that. It's all good. Don't worry, man. The lieutenant groans in his sleep. Okay. Uh, pull. Spike. Let's get this done. Uh, Spike taken. His condition is getting worse. His eyes open wide and clench tightly closed, and he wheezes restlessly. Sparks of red lightning brighten the sky for a moment. That didn't happen before. Look at sky. Distant stars shine, most somewhat dimly, in a deep black sky. Dark blotches, visible as voids that interrupt your view of the stars, are large clouds that drift swiftly by. Hutchess is shifting side to side now, moaning loudly. The stars in the sky appear to double. Constellations shift and turn as if viewed from a different angle. Ah, constellations warped. Anointing I don't have time for another Daniel K. Recommends, do I? No, it's going to be such a heavy, saturated episode if I do. Wait, wait, uh to another episode for me to recommend current 93 um constellations warp and turn as if viewed from a different angle rapidly the new stars dim fading to black and as quickly as they appear they vanish so i'm hallucinating looking up at the sky or maybe the planet is really weird and it's doing crazy shit um bandage wound with net ting You wrap a couple of the long pieces of netting securely around the lieutenant's wounded shoulder. The flow of blood is reduced by the tie-off, and the netting serves to soak up the rest. Hutchess breathes heavily, but he seems stable now. Woo! (laughs) Ha ha ha! Fantastic. I saved Hutchess. That's great. Should we check out... um, What was the ensign's name? Should we go see if she has anything valuable on her person? Maybe she's got, like, a gun on her or something, which I can shoot the, the droning noise. Like a telescope, I can see what's up with the psychedelic sky. Uh, search Ensign. Is that how you spell Ensign? Let's find out. Ensign Coven has only her torn uniform. 
Near Coven's body, just under the slant created where the hatch lays across her crushed legs, you notice a palm-top terminal. A palm-top terminal! Like a smartphone. She was using it for her Runoma 2 research during the in-system flight. Taken. Okay. Uh, re- uh, look at terminal. The palm-top terminal fits in your hand. Yeah, I figured. With an edge-to-edge screen set snugly into a sleek blue shell. A crack snakes down the length of it. Yeah, fuck, I, I know how you feel, man. My Samsung Galaxy S8 or whatever the shit I call it is also has a crack snaking down the length of it with hairline fractures spreading out the edges. And also the unit is not turned on at present. An on-off switch is set into the top of the terminal. Yeah, just like my Samsung. Turn on... Terminal. I hope to learn uh, what weird inhabitants are stalking the desert in this planet which I find myself stranded on and what could be making that ominous droning noise in the far east. Turn on terminal. The screen comes on when you tap the on-off switch set into the top of the terminal. The words out of range appear on the cracked screen for a moment and then the unit powers down again. Shit. These devices provide remote access to a PrimeCom console, but they only work near one. Oh, turn on the thing! Uh, the distress beacon! Will that help in any way? Uh, turn on beacon. Not beacon. 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 You don't need to use the word beacon. How do you spell beacon? Shit. Oh, with a C and not a K. Okay, yep. Look at beacon. This is the beacon you salvaged from the wreckage. Turn on beacon. The beacon is already on, casting a dim light across the crash site. A button lower on the base can be used to turn on the distress signal. There we go. Turn on distress signal. Uh, yeah, you press the button on the beacon post to enable the distress signal. Okay, so now can we turn on a terminal? It won't stay on because you're not in range of the PrimeCom console. Right now you can't use it at all. Okay, so I bet the PrimeCom console is to the north, right? Uh, where the wreckage of the ship is. Do you think? Or is the PrimeCom console somewhere in space? No, she was using it on the ship, so... I guess the Primecom console must be on the ship. Does that make sense? I'm still at the crash site. Uh, okay. So I want to go north. Don't I? I have to remember I've got that spike. So if some alien pops its head up from the sand and starts eating my leg or something, I can stab it with the spike. Um, man, this is great. Uh, can I talk to Hutchess? Lieutenant Hutchess is unconscious. You speak to him, but to no effect. A cry like twist—a cry like twisting metal—comes from the distant east. Fuck me, dead! No, this is no good. Um, uh, what's that? Hang on, there's a noise out outside my house. Let's go investigate it together, listeners. It's gone away. It must have just been the neighbours setting off their car alarm or something. Uh, Alright. Here we are, back at the game. Uh, uh. Oh my god, a cry like twisting metal has come from the distant east. Let's drag Hutchess north. Let's do that. You don't need to use the word drag. Uh, get Hutchess? Get Hutchess. We're saving you, man. Get Hutchess. Earlier you moved him into a position to minimalise further pain and injury. You don't need to move him again. The wind carries away a sheet of vellum that had gone previously unnoticed amongst the scraps of netting. Fuck! It drifts away from the crash site to the west and into the darkness. At a glance it seems to be the same kind of heavy paper typically used for passing secure encrypted orders to crew members. Uh, get vellum. Get vellum. Uh, you don't see that. Oh, go west. You, uh, you head west across downward slopes. 
and over inclines, hoping to come upon the drifting vellum. The search is hindered by the lack of light. Even the glow from the crash site is nearly lost beyond the swells of desert land. You can't see much in the desert night. Fuck. Uh, turn on um, thingy. Terminal. Terminal. Maybe the screen can light my way, even if it only is on briefly. The terminal is of no use to you right now. Uh, I, well, okay. I, could I have found the vellum if I'd searched better? Vellum is like animal skin, isn't it? Like rendered down? What's vellum? Editor Dan. Yo. How's it going, man? Yeah, not Can too bad. But find out what vellum is for you. For for you? Yeah, for you. <laughs> I thought I misspoke, but I, I, I 100% was correct. Yeah. Can you find that out for you and tell everyone now what vellum is? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so historically, yeah, vellum was made of uh, like treated calf skin. But in these modern times, you can make just a strong bit of paper out of like vegetable fibers or whatever and call it vellum. It just needs to be like strong and long lasting and you can call that stuff vellum. Sure, it doesn't need to be calf skin at all. Hey, thanks, buddy. See you later, man. Ooh, not if I see you first, my friend. Yeah, it's looking at you, buds. Oh, okay, back to the game. Um, uh, the terminal is of no use. Well, I guess. Can I just go further west? Go west. You haven't the need to wander further from the crash site. Again, a shrill cry comes from the distant east, but closer. It's closer. Okay, go east. Crash site. Go north. Let's leg it, man. Go north. It would be a very long walk to the serious dream wreckage. You have no good reason to make the trip right now. I'm fucked. Look south. What's south? The nearest rocks are twisting spires and angular arches that rise to the south. Go south. Wait, can I get the beacon? Get beacon. You already moved it here from the wreckage of the pod, propped it up and turned it on. It's too tall and too heavy to carry with you. It serves its purpose right where it is. Um, light fire. Better start with a verb. A verb is a doing word, isn't it? I guess it's treating light like a noun. A naming word. Start. No, if, if, if I was able to light a fire, it would tell me that I could do it. Inventory. You are carrying some netting ribbons, a spike, and a palm top terminal. Let's look at the gash in the ground which was torn by the crashing pod. Look at gash. You don't need to use the word gash. I'm sorry, man. Um, look at... Can I scroll up to see what the description said it was? No, no scrolling. Trench. Trench. Look at Sylvia Trench. The pod slid and rolled for a ways on impact, creating a shallow trench. Hide in trench? You don't need to use the word hide. I'm at a loss as to what to do. Look at desert. Dry desert stretches for hundreds of miles all around. In the darkness of night, though, you can only see a short ways in any direction. Dig sand. You don't need to use the word dig. Okay, cool. I'm glad it tells me, like, hey, you don't need to be using that word. Like, hey, you're not going to get anywhere trying to dig in anything. It's not like Zork, where it doesn't give you any hints as to what you're getting wrong. Um. Um. Um, I'm at a loss. Um, how much of the pod is left? I know it's like twisted wreckage, but can we enter pod? The pod is too badly damaged to enter. Um, look at pod. Are bits of the pod on fire? Might have survived, not for the heavy gravity. Yada, 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 yada. Blah, 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 blah. Twisted, jagged heap nearby. So nothing about flames, no. Uh, I haven't tried going south, have I? I've only looked south. 
go south. South of the crash site. The rock nearest the crash site is an angular arch that stands a little taller than you. It casts the faintest of glows, a light blue aura that extends only slightly around it. The desert stretches away in every direction to the north. The crash site itself is visible as a dim light shining on a capsule-shaped wreck. Um, the angular arch stands a little taller than you. It casts the faintest of glows. Can I learn more by looking at the arch? Look at arch. A web of thin cracks covers a surface. A surface? Yep. A web of thin cracks covers a surface that is cold and smooth to the touch. The arch is wide and thick, taller at its apex than you stand. Coven had been reviewing the research on Runoma 2 before the emergency. This planet is the subject of a ter- territorial dispute with the Dune Voir. The rocks like this are the reason. They store and convert energy from direct heat into light. The same prolonged cry calls out from the east, closer still. They store and convert energy from direct heat into light. So they get hot in the day and then they glow at night. That's nice. Search area. You don't need to use the word area. Um, Climb arch. Even if you could climb the arch rock, the point of view is no better than here on the ground. You have no need to try. Go south. Another cry as the south. You haven't the need to wander further if from the crash site. Another cry rises on the wind. Hungrier and more urgent now. Hungrier? That's no good. Uh, go north. Crash site. Let's see if there's something to the east before the, the horrible noises get me. Go east. Something is out there to the east. The urge to go meet it loses to your dire need for self-preservation. Something is out there to the east. Well, I've got my spike. Will I be given a chance to fight? Uh, Dig. Uh, Can I dig a trap? No, I've tried digging already. Shit. Um. Oh! Ah, uh, it had cra- uh, cracks. Uh, I, I can break off a bit of the rock and have a glow. Go south. South of crash site. Break arch, you fucking arch. Without using something, some, some kind of sharp or solid tool, that won't affect the rock. Near the crash site, but still east of it, something wails. Uh, um, break arch with spike. I should have seen that coming. Using the bloodied spike as a chisel, you bang it against the rock and pry the cracks until a stone shard comes loose in your hands. Stone shard taken. A ghastly shriek from the east of the crash site rides the cold wind. From this distance, you can just make out a vague shape approaching the wreckage from that direction. Fuck me dead, listeners. It's almost over. Go west. Um, no! You haven't the need to go wander, f- wandering further from the crash site. I had to go north and then west, didn't I? Shit. From your distant vantage, you can see a lumbering shape enter the crash site from the east. You can hear its distant screams like hot metal cooling too quickly. It takes something from the ground, the shape of a body maybe, and breaks it. Holding the dead body over one shoulder, the creature hurries back into the darkness. Oh my god! Ah! Go north. Go north. Who did it take? The Ensign or Hutchess? The body of Ensign Coven is gone now, taken by the creature. Oh, it was like the game giving me a warning shot. Oh, this is intense. What kind of fucking game is this? What is it doing to me? Go. I get a second chance. Go west. Do I? You head west across downward slopes and over inclines, hoping to come upon the drifting vellum. The search is hindered by the lack of light. Even the glow from the crash site is nearly lost beyond the swells of desert land. You can't see much in the desert night. Um, uh, um, stone shard um, holds out shard. You haven't encountered any outshard, okay. Um, uh, drop shard. 
uh, dropped. Another cry rises on the wind, hungrier and more urgent now than before. Look around. It's too dark to see anything, even with a shard. Uh, get shard. Please, no, taken. Nearer the crash site, but still east of it, something wails again. How do I light the area with the... Use shard. Just use shard. You don't need to use the word use. Hold shard. You already have that. A grisly shriek from east of the crash site rides the cold wind. From this distance, you can make out a vague shape approaching the wreckage from that direction. It's going to happen again. Why can't I use the glowing shard? Look at shard. It's too dark to see anything. Even the glowing shard? Oh, fuck! I need to heat the shard. Do I? Do I need to heat the shard? (laughs) Rub shard. Smooth and cold. From your distant vantage, you can see a lumbering shape enter the crash site from the east. You can hear its distant screams like hot metal cooling too quickly. It takes something from the ground. The shape of a body breaks it. Holding the dead body over one shoulder, the creature hurries back into the darkness. Why can't I light the area? Why can't I light the area? Why can't I find the vellum? What am I doing, listeners? Um, maybe I need to go back down south and, like, I don't know, maybe I was only, like, halfway through breaking the arch. Maybe I need to keep on chipping until, like, the top half breaks off or something. Um, go east. Crash site. Lieutenant Hutchess is gone now, taken by the creature. Go south. South of crash light. Crash light? Crash. South of... Crash site. Look at arch. A web of thin cracks covers a surface that is cold and smooth to the touch. The arch is wide and thick, taller as apex, blah, blah, blah. Removal of the shard has left a notch in the arch. Another cry arises on the wind, hungrier and more urgent. Look at notch. Which notch do you mean? The reserve slot or the notch in the rock. Um, I mean, I mean the notch in the rock, but what the hell is the reserve slot? Look at reserve slot. A small square slot on the back of the palm top terminal is missing its reserve cell. What a weird way to find that out. Was I supposed to like, when I was looking at, the terminal was I supposed to like turn over terminal and then I'd find that. That's weird. Um, put shard in reserve slot. Maybe it's like a power source that doesn't fit in the terminal's reserve slot cell cell slot near the crash site, but still east of it. Something wails. Okay, look at where is it? Look at. Notch in rock. You haven't encountered any notch in. Okay. Look at notch. You don't need to use the word niche. Sorry, I messed up, listeners. Oh, it's getting tense. Am I going to get eaten? Look at notch. Look at notch. Which notch do you mean? Uh, The reserve slot or the notch in the rock? The notch in the rock. I've spelt it out verbatim for the game. Better start with a verb. Come on, fuck you! You just asked me which one I meant. I spelt it right out for you. Look at rock notch. A notch was left in the rock where the shard used to be. Yeah, I know that. A grisly shriek from the east of the crash site rides the cold wind. From this distance, you can just make out a vague shape approaching the wreckage from that direction. Uh, break arch with spike. I'm getting kind of desperate. You've already taken a shard from the arch rock, but it didn't do anything for me. From your distant vantage, you can see a lumbering shape enter the crash light from the east. You can hear its distant screams like hot metal cooling too quickly. It seems to pace the area, unwilling to leave without one more meal, perhaps waiting for live prey. I'm fucked.
Look at terminal. The palm top terminal fits in your hand with the edge to edge screen set snugly into a sleek blue shell. A crack snakes down the link of it with hairline fractures spreading out to the edges. Um, break terminal with spike. It's designed to be touched, not beaten. Besides, it's already damaged enough. Um, um, in inventory, you're carrying a spike, some netting ribbons, a palm top terminal, and a stone shard. Look at stone shard. The shard is an irregularly shaped chunk of stone taken from a large desert rock. This piece is white with streaks of blue and it casts a very faint glow. Being so light, it just isn't enough to help push back the darkness. For a moment, the creature is gone from sight, no longer visible in a distant globe of light. The world becomes still, the wind slacking for a long while, the noise of night missing. You exhale a breath you hadn't consciously held. The wind seems to rush back when something blocks your view of the wreckage. A piercing cry comes from the hunched, menacing form, and it paces quickly your way. The creature lashes out with a muscular claw, scratching your face and sending you sprawling to the ground with effort. You rise to your feet again. Stab creature. creature. How do you spell creature? Create. It's no ch. Create your. Create your. With spike. This is Zork again. You don't need to use the word stab. Fuck me! God damn it! Stab. Stab creature with spike. Come on, goddammit. You bring the spike down against the creature's left thigh, stabbing and slicing with as much strength as you can muster. It howls in rage, its wide chest panting and heaving. The wound drips a crimson liquid, and the creature thrashes in pain. The creature seems momentarily confused, as though forgetting what, what it had been doing before. The attack may buy you a little time, but the creature doesn't seem seriously injured. Fucking slit its fucking throat. Uh, kill... Creature. The creature seems to take no notice of your unarmed attack. No! Kill it with a spike, you moron! What the hell are you doing? The flow of blood from the creature's wound begins to lessen after a moment. It raises heavy fists and unleashes an unnaturally metallic shriek. Now it remembers. It moves towards you, snarling, heaving, shaking. Um, Stab it again. Stab creature with... Spike, please. You stab the creature again, and again it screams in pain. Its massive jaws are thrown wide, its long, deep, sharp teeth drip blood and saliva, and its fleshy head quivers with rage. Again, the creature seems confused, but not seriously injured. Bravery is good. Retreat is better. No, I don't want to run away. I've got nowhere to go. Go north. Crash site. White haze gathers near the beacon post, taking your form. The wispy image presses the distress button and then pauses as it's speaking. In silence, the haze fades and the image is gone. What? It does what? Uh, Press distress button. Was that a hologram playing out what I did in the past or was that a hint from the game? Now that the signal is on, you should leave it on. Rescue might be unlikely, but with no distant call, it would be almost impossible. Well, you just gave me like a hint, and then you faked me out. Grey threads of lightning snake through the eastern sky for several seconds. Oh, the creature's not east. Go east. Go east. Something is out there to the east. No, it's not. It's to the south now. The urge to go meet it loses your your dire need for self-preservation. Blah, blah, blah. Go north. Run away from the creature, please. It'd be a very long walk to the Cirrus Stream wreckage. What do I do? What do I do? I'm totally lost. The creature's to the south of me. I have a dumb shard which emits a pathetic little glow. Go west. You head west across downward slopes and over inclines, hoping to come upon the drifting vellum.
A search is hindered by the lack of light. You can't see much in the desert night. For a moment, the creature is gone from sight. Oh, it's coming again. The wind seems to rush back when something blocks your view of the wreckage. A piercing cry comes from a haunched, menacing form. The creature begins to recover even faster than before. The creature fixes you with a hollow-eyed stare, and it shrieks from a wide, many-fanged mouth. Um... Give creature shard. Not sure what you're referring to. Try and give something to something. Give shard to creature. The creature only seems interested in body parts. It snaps at you with sharp teeth in a mouth that opens impossibly wide. You fight to hold it back, but the creature is much larger and more powerful. Yeah? Um... Stab creature with spike, please. The tactic doesn't work a third time. The creature blocks the strike, catching your arm in its large claw-like hand. Your bones crush and your t- it's your turn to scream now. Its breath is rank against your face. In the last moments of your life, you have one thought. Slashing at the creature with such a crude weapon might hurt it, even confuse it for a moment. But this thing won't be killed by a few cuts and punctures. Teeth like jagged spikes pierce your shoulder and your arm goes limp. The creature makes deep gashes across your face and chest before crushing your head between its massive claws. The pain is over then. Satisfied, the creature lifts you easily, throws you over one shoulder and once again lumbers off into the shadow of the night. You've died. Now what? Restart? Restore? Undo? Or quit? Um, I'll do one more thing, listeners. It's not going to work, but I'll try undoing. Undo. Uh, Undo the most recent turn successful. It's too dark to see anything. I'm going to play... Play dead. You don't need to use the word play. Okay, that doesn't work. I thought I could, like, collapse on the ground. Lie down. Be a little more specific about where you'd like to lie. Yeah, fuck it. I'm dead, listeners. It's over. Ah, okay. I think this is going to be the end of the episode. I've failed. I failed to do this. I had a great deal of fun, but in the end I failed. It wasn't the kind of failure which uh, Starcross uh, led me into. This was a pretty good kind of failure. Yeah, I got eaten by an alien monster. Um, yeah. I could probably try again, but I can't think what I would try. I don't even know. I don't even know what to do. This game's... I feel like the game beat me. Like, I can try and try and try again, but I'm not going to do that in this podcast. This has been... Yeah, this has been... This has been this episode. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm sorry I didn't succeed. The thing got me. Um, yeah. Let me know if you want me to try again. I'm, I'm probably not going to try again. I think this has been the experience. The experience of failure is... Uh, is, is uh, it's part and parcel with this particular podcast episode. I played, I was on the planet, I helped my friend, my friend got captured by the creature, and now I've been killed and captured by the creature. That's how this goes. That's how this story went. That's the end of this story. Oh, it's challenging. It's hard, listeners. If you have any ideas, tweet them at me. Do whatever you want. Um, yeah, next episode in this series, I'll be trying a different game, I think. This has been fun, but I can't just try flogging a dead horse, can I? No. I need to go back to putt-putt. That was more my level. All right, I'll see you next time. See you next time, listeners. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yo, yo. Uh, next time I play some other game on the Daniel K's Let's Plays podcast. Thank you all very much, and bye-bye. <laughs>
I don't mind saying she made me a bit of a celebrity in the racing world. So, you're the one who beat the Italians in the Schneider Cup. That's right. But what I'm best at is aerial combat. So, the name Schneider stuck in my head. But uh, I, I thought um, I wanted to like edit this podcast episode and post on Twitter, Hey everyone, I played this game today. I thought it would be pretty cool if I could at, at the guy who made the game in my tweet. So I look up Mike Snyder. It turns out he has a video game podcast. He's got a podcast. He's a podcaster, as well as he makes these cool video games. Um, it's a video game discussion podcast, and the twist is he does it with his he's got his daughter as a co-host. Or yeah, they, they are two co-hosts of the uh, video game generations podcast. Uh, so one last Daniel K recommends. I haven't started listening yet, but I'm definitely going to dive right in uh, because yeah. Uh, a daddy-daughter video game discussion duo sounds like it's actually right up my alley. Uh, video the the video game generations podcast, and obviously I'm gonna add them in my tweet because they have exactly ten times as many subscribers as I do. So maybe they'll share my post, and people will go, "Oh, an audio-only video game. Let's play podcast. That's interesting." And maybe I'll have more subscribers. But if they don't want to, then that's totally fine. I don't mind. It's all good. Um, so yeah, check out the video game generations podcast. Um, it sounds great, and this is obviously a clever guy. So, uh, I'm sure his daughter is also very clever. Uh, see you around, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for everything. Bye, everyone. See ya. <laughs>